Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Fitter, Healthier Dad podcast, where you can learn how to improve your diet, lose fat, and get fitter in a sustainable and fun way without spending hours in the gym. Here is your host, Darren Kirby. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. This is the number one podcast for men in their 40s who want to improve their health through nutrition and fitness. This is episode 98, and on today's episode, we are speaking with Dr. Sally Bell on the five foundations of health. Dr. Sally is an NHS GP and a practitioner of functional medicine, qualifying as a doctor in 1999 and has trained as a GP. Dr. Sally is convinced that your body has a remarkable ability to heal itself, but it can only do that if you learn how to create the right conditions. Her mission is to guide you back to health so you can enjoy your life. But before we dive into today's episode, guys, I want to take a moment to mention the show's sponsors, Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is formulated with 75 vitamins, minerals, carefully selected for high potency and bioavailability. Athletic Greens, because it is in a powder format, is more bioavailable than pill-based supplements. It's kind of like uh, a nutrient insurance policy. Now, As you many of you know, I'm a big advocate of getting nutrients from real food, but with our hectic lifestyles, this isn't always possible. I take Athletic Greens on a daily basis to ensure that I'm getting all of the nutrients I need, and Athletic Greens is offering the listeners of the show a 10% discount off their first order. So if you head over to athleticgreens.com forward slash fitter healthier dad to get 10% off your first order so let's crack into today's show hi dr sally thanks very much for joining me on the podcast today how are you uh it's a great pleasure to be uh with you really enjoying the sunshine i love our little island it's gone from minus four to 15 degrees (laughs) within a week so so loving it uh, and it's really good to be uh, here with you yeah no it's fantastic for you to come on i'm very excited about today's episode I mean, we've just started to talk about off before we started recording the interesting stuff that we're talking about. But for people that haven't perhaps come across you before or understand your work, it'd be great to get an insight into into you, your background and your your career. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I'm Dr. Sally and I founded my own business, Dr. Sally Bell, and I've been a medical doctor for 22 years. And um, I use an approach to health that guides people back to health. Um, And it focuses on the root cause of why you're unwell instead of just symptoms. It looks at the whole of you instead of just um, part of you. Um, And and really, I've developed a framework that taps into our innate brilliance to heal and and repair. And that looks at sleep, movement, rest, connection and nutrition. Um, And part of the reason I've ended up practicing like this is I I went into medicine to help and heal. and, uh, And about halfway through my my uh, career, I felt like a pharmaceutical vending machine. You're getting people into a disease category and then treating them with drugs um, and, and just found it a very ineffective way to get people better. And, and then I lost my own health. 
which right. we just talked about. Maybe we'll touch on that in a bit. Uh, and didn't want to stay on medication for life. So, you know, developed, um, sort of went back to the research to try and understand, like, what did my body need to heal? Uh, and was amazed at how much the research has changed, mm. you know, compared to the 90s. Um, and realized, like, actually, when we get the basics right, we set our body up to heal and repair. And I recovered my own health, started guiding people back to health. Um, and over the years, have guided hundreds of people back to health. And now I have like a small clinic um, where I practice this style of medicine. I still work for the NHS doing acute care. Yeah. Um, I uh, work for the British Army doing well-being, and I'm a campaigner for real food um, and having access to real food to all people. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Amazing. I mean, I would love to be in your position. I just think it's such amazing. It's almost like a gift that you've got where you've kind of had this shift, right? And, you know, it's the basic stuff, right? And I don't want to uh, belittle what the NHS do because the NHS is an amazing, amazing institution. Yeah. But I just believe that it's a broken model. We yeah. cannot carry on in yeah. the way that we have, you know, the NHS is perfect. If you've got really, you have a, a serious car accident and everything else, but to do, you know, to be spending 16 billion pounds a year on type two diabetes and obesity is yeah. just mind blowing yeah. for me. Yeah. And I just think, you know, like you said, there, taking it back to basics and, yeah. and I, I really want to kind of dig into, to kind of mindset. Cause you commented on one of my posts earlier on in the week that I made and, and I, you know, I truly believe it's a big mindset set yeah. shift. You know, it's generational kind of change almost that, that needs to happen. So, yeah, so you, but you've developed these, um, this, this system, the five, what do you call it? I can't remember the five, to health. <laughs> yeah, five foundations to health. So why did you come up with those five foundations? What brought you to these five foundations? Because there's lots of different areas, isn't there? Yes. Yeah. So I, I think, um, the problem is, it's like you say, the NHS is brilliant at what it does and, um, and it's born out of like that acute, kind of illness era and infectious disease area yeah. where there's one problem and there was one solution and you know and and as you say if you have a road traffic accident you don't want me standing over you you know talking about broccoli you, you want the anaesthetist <laughs> and you want the surgeon and you want them yeah. to be brilliant at what they do but the problem that we have as a nation and as western nations is that a large proportion of what we're struggling with our health is, is called chronic disease um, and when you look at chronic diseases which includes everything you know from your autism to your diabetes to your cancer right through to your alzheimer's and your mental health issues and when you start unpacking that and looking at what's causing that probably 80 to 90 percent is to do with our lifestyle right. um, and about 10 percent is to do with our genetics and so and we have a mindset as a nation where we're looking to the doctor to medicate we're looking to the pharmaceutical industry to come up with the cancer cure we're we're constantly looking to outsource that. But the truth of it is, is that our body has innate ability, you know, biological mechanisms that keep us cancer free, yeah. that keep our emotions stable, that keep our sugars stable, you know, that keeps our gut healthy. And, and, um, and we need to create an environment around our body that helps our bodies do yeah. what they're brilliant at. And it isn't complicated. You know, it's coming back to actually getting enough sleep. It's about resting and, and aggressively, you know, 
getting rid of stress. It's about the right nutrition. Um, it's about connecting with ourselves, others, and that sense of purpose. And it's about movement. And all of those foundations help create this environment where our body can do what it needs to do, which keep us disease-free and live long. Um, and so that's why I've come down to those. And the science for each of those foundations mm. is irrefutable. Yeah. Um, and it's beautiful and it's accessible to everyone. Um, and so we just can't keep medicating lifestyle solutions. It is, it, it's complete, you know, lunacy. Uh, it doesn't yeah. make sense. Um, and we need to come back that this is the root cause. So let's offer a root cause solution. So that's why it works and why I use those foundations. Yeah. And I think they're brilliant foundations as well. And I think, you know, like we talked about before we started recording, once you really understand this stuff, you can't go back. You just, yeah. it just, you just can't comprehend the way yeah. that it was and then go back there. Yeah. And, and I think the other, the other big thing for me, and I think this is a real tough ask, and that is as a society, as human beings, it's the responsibility is on us, you know, mm-hmm. to, to take care of our health. And, and I think for too long, what we've done is we've, we've allowed um, the development of the first world, if you like, to, to rely on governments, to rely on national health services. And actually it's us, you know, that needs to be responsible for it. Um, and, you know, it's, it, the, the biggest thing I find is that when you talk to people about, you know, the, the five things that you've discussed, they kind of look at you as if to say, well, that's not the magic pill I'm looking for. You know, where's, where's my magic pill that I can just take it and fix everything? And I think, it, yeah, it is being responsible for, for life and not kind of just unconsciously going through life and, and assuming that how we're behaving, how we're acting, what we're consuming is life and it, and i think you know if if anything the last year has taught us yeah. it's that it's you know we need to be responsible for that yeah. so yeah and i think um, it's important about like you know we're all responsible and some are guilty and, and and i think what we have to be careful with when we talk about responsibility is it's not about blame you no know, so- for my kid that's got cancer what you're saying it's my fault like you have to be really careful how we talk about this because it's it's actually responsibility as an individual as communities as society and and actually we're all responsible and actually we have fed messages to our population for decades that says you know the doctor has the answer the pharmaceutical industry the answer the school teacher has the answer for the education you know our government has the answer for you know and we have we have you know we are responsible in in buying into that but also we can't we're not fully to blame like Mm. we have we have grown up with this mindset and and i think there is a there is an awakening you know in many of us as medics and you know and i think in our population of of, oh actually you know i can have agency back over my health like you know and i can take responsibility and then it's working out well what are the health messages i can trust and and then actually how do i do it because change is so hard yeah Um, and I think very hard to change as an individual and and it's so much better when you find your tribe and when like you do what you're doing is gathering people around having a different mindset and the how-to and the support um so yeah yeah it is and I think one of the biggest challenges that I find um and and this is I think it's men you know there's kind of they're in two camps there well there's three camps actually so the first one is that they've realized they're not where they want to be. And generally it's aesthetics or they're tired, right? So they're like, they're motivated to do something about it. 
And then you get the the, the guys in the middle that just kind of would like to do something, but don't really, it's not really an issue for them. And Mm. then, which is, this is the large majority, they've been to the doctor or they've had a medical incident and now they have to do something about it, right? So they are more than motivated. Um, Why do you think it is that that we kind of behave like that? What what do you think causes it? I think... um... I, I think it's that thing where we just we want the quick fix and we want it easy because we don't yeah. like pain. We don't like change. Actually, we're wired like our brain. Actually, the whole thing it's trying to do is reduce risk and keep us safe. Yeah. So it doesn't want to take us out of that comfort zone. It's a kind of setting up life like that. And and I, and so and I have the same problem with my patients, people who come who are just looking for to because they want to um, change that, you know, to kind of live longer, but they don't have have any particular health problem. They're really hard to get them mm. to see the program or because it because it's very difficult to measure, you know, yeah. Whereas, you know, the person that, you know, for you, whether they're overweight or they've lost their energy or, um, you know, have a health thing, one, they don't want to feel like that anymore. So it's worth the risk, isn't it? It, It's that it's that whole discomfort that we feel. And is that which is the biggest discomfort staying where I am with how I'm feeling or taking a risk of trying some new things. And then the wonderful thing, I think, like with lifestyle changes, if they're done well, is that you can get people feeling a lot better a lot quicker they never want to go back to that it's like you know and you create a new norm and you create as a roadmap and you give people agency so they know how to feel good i think in essence we are wired for comfort and to feel good yeah and so we will choose the path that, that 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 gives us that and if the current situation however unhealthy it might be at mm. the present is still i feel good about myself there's no reason to change you know yeah and that kind of academic intellectual thing of well it's not good for you and you might end up with cancer it's, it's just not enough like no. uh, that there needs to be something else and sometimes it's not our own loss of health it's a you know a father or yeah you know, or that might be enough to just create that oh gosh I I don't want to be like that and I'm doing the same as he's doing and so uh, that's the wonder of suffering you know it it gets our attention and it it gives us an opportunity to change and and befriending you know um, those things and and using them for our good is, is a really powerful motivator isn't it yeah it is definitely and I think you're right I think um definitely I speak to a lot of guys where, you know, it's a guy whose dad has died at a similar age to what he is now. And now he's decided, actually, that's where, you know, dad passed away. I need to do something about it now. Or, you know, they say that it's, you know, for their children because they want to be there for the children. But what I often find, and it, it'd be interesting to see what your thoughts are on this, is that people won't actually admit they want to do it for themselves because they feel a bit guilty, particularly men, because they have to be the man of the household, right? They don't want to outwardly come out and say, well, I want to get fit and healthy because I want to look good, you know, and, and it's that. And so they'll kind of keep it under wraps. Yeah, I think that's not exclusively a man thing. I think, <laughs> I think certainly a lot of my followers are female, roughly my age. And I, think inherently like we really struggle to radically self-love ourselves Mm. I think that can be a massive thing like you know you think about the way we talk about ourselves when we get things wrong like you never talk to another human being the way that we talk about ourselves yeah And and I think in essence like really valuing and ourselves and growing into our own skin is is surely the work of life it's about maturing isn't it where you 
get to be really comfortable with who you are and you really like who you are. And I think, yeah. you know, and that, and that takes, takes time and, and, ch and challenging mindsets and tuning into what's going on in us. And, and, and that's a real deep thing to start unpacking, isn't it? Coming those mindsets yeah. of self-love and value and often rooted in childhood, you know, yeah. and, and some of those beliefs that are put around us. I mean, if you see a fat little chubby baby on the floor, they have no issues with being fat and chubby. No, exactly. What point do they adopt mindsets that say that's not acceptable? Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and challenging those and think, well, I don't want to live with my father's mindsets or the world's mindset. I mm. want to be happy with who I am. And that's a that's a big old journey, isn't it? But I it think is. it's the same, men yeah. and women. <laughs> <laughs> that's good to hear. That's good to hear. But I think I think the other thing is as well that you touched on there when you see like a little fat chubby baby, not oh that's cute, you know. But then when you talk about that that adults, that's almost like really derogatory. And and whenever you talk about weight, when you talk about fat instantly people just go towards the aesthetic side of it and say well that's really you know not unkind you know it's not fair maybe they don't want to be like that maybe they don't want to lose weight and my take on that is that if you're eating the right nutrients and you're moving enough and you're sleeping the aesthetic side of it is becomes irrelevant yeah. as far as i'm concerned because you're giving the body what it needs needs you're doing with the body what it needs to be done you're giving it the rest and relaxation that it needs to have and yeah. so i think that that when you come away from a western diet that yeah. becomes irrelevant yeah it's still it's still a powerful marketing tool though isn't it yes. we are marketed that a certain body shape is beautiful and powerful and that's going to give you success and then they sell you products in order to get there because we know we're not there <laughs> yeah. i mean it's like it's been becoming aware of it you know what, yeah. what and, and yes I love the idea that actually doing all those things make us feel good. But if we're married into this mindset that looking a certain way means success, power, whatever it is that we're desiring, you know, love, then it, 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 I think we still have to come back to challenging that and realizing mm. it's, it's created, you know, by society and, and, yeah. and, and it doesn't have to be that. And um so, so yes, but I, so I think it still matters, even with some of my women where they're losing weight and they're doing great things. They do feel good. There's still that pressure. Oh, I know yeah. I need to be a size eight or I need to be a size 10. It's like, really, you know, yeah. you look great. You're glowing. You've, you've got your energy back. We reversed your disease, but it's still a powerful thing. Yeah. In our world. Um, yeah. And we need to reclaim that and get hold of it and go. Yeah. It <laughs> yeah, and I think that's really valuable to do. And, I, and I'm a big advocate of, you know, that's it. around the, the size, sizing of women, the eight and the 10. With yeah. men, it's a similar thing of stepping on the scales, right? They weigh themselves every day or every week. And, and my thing around that is weight is just a very high level measure. You know, yeah. body composition and all the rest of it is is, yeah. is a better measure. How you feel. And one of the guys said to me last week, he's like, I can now you know pull my belt in by another by another hole that's perfect to me that's a better measurement than weight you know yes. jumping on the scales totally and i think um you know weight and blood pressure and even our blood sugars are very you know they're they don't they tell us the end the end result of, of a process that has been going wrong for a while yeah and um and actually there's a lot better measures you know when you're trying to assess you know whether somebody's unwell and and um 
And I, and, you know, and the, 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 you know, flipping the coin, you know, people who uh, don't struggle with weight can be falsely reassured that they're healthy. Mm. Um, and I think there is an element where you could take two people with exactly the same weight, but if they've got different lifestyles, they could uh, internally be very different in terms of yeah. health. Now, weight in itself is a health risk because it Churns fat cells churn out these infl inflammation markers, which are one of the mechanisms to disease. And and actually, for men, you know, um, fat cells also take our te your testosterone and they make it into estrogen. So therefore, you're going to have more issues around estrogen dependent cancers, and you know, and also you get your man boobs and what have you yeah. because of that. And so there is an element where. I don't think it's fair to say that, you know, you can be completely healthy and have an issue with obesity because in itself it is an issue, mm. but you could have two people the same weight um, and, and actually one could be at very high risk of diabetes and heart disease and one less at risk because of what they're eating, how they're sleeping, how they're moving. Um, so it is a very crude, uh, you know, measure yeah. of health. Yeah. And there are a lot better ways. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. But, but when we, when we're looking at your five foundations, you know, each one of those are pretty big, a pretty big topic in themselves, aren't they? Yes. So how, when you, when you start to, 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 to deal with this with people and implement it, obviously, yeah. you know, you just said overwhelm there. And I think a lot of challenges people have, you know, yeah. if you take busy careers, working from home, homeschooling, all the rest of it. And then we say, right, here's 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 this go and deal with this they're like wow this is too much so how do you kind of segue that into their day-to-day -day lives so that it can be implemented in a way which is not adding stress yes totally so i think first thing is is um i mean the way i practice i have an hour with my patients you know i get them to tell the whole story i get a bit inside their head yeah. um and 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 often i start with looking at the quick wins because i want them to start feeling better quickly because then they're more yeah. likely to the changes and if you're looking at weight you know sleep is the thing um it, you know you are set up hormonally against losing weight you know using muscle instead of fat if you are sleep deprived your appetite hormones aren't working properly your brain isn't wired to make good choices like so so often the kind of sleep stress thing is often where i would start for that quick win before i even ask them to change what they're going to eat and then i think there is getting them to articulate their why they're doing it so we can yeah. keep coming back to that but motivation ebbs and flows we all know that you know yeah. one day yeah, let's do it and then the next yeah. day there we are with a big bag of cookies and <laughs> And so I think that's where motivation's okay but we need to accept its limitations and for me I love the work of um, BJ Fogg who's a, a, a behavioral scientist and he talks about tiny habits and he talks about the fact that we need to take what we need to change. So say, be, say it is sleep and literally we just make it very, very small. So it's going to bed 10 minutes earlier or maybe identify that caffeine is the issue. So mm -hmm. maybe it's bringing the caffeine you know, back just a couple of hours earlier. So very, very small because BJ Fogg talks about the thing that really wires a new habit is emotion. It's not necessarily repetition. And so if we feel good that we've achieved it and we keep achieving it, then becomes the new norm and then we can increase what we're expecting of ourselves. So, you know, for you, it might be, um, you know, when you're looking at the movement piece, initially it might be just one press up every time you go for a wee, you know, right. and actually it's small, it's achievable, you feel good about yourself, you're going to do it again. And I, and so it is around, um, you know, capturing the why, accepting the limitation of motivation, you know, 
for me, focusing on where I think the big issue is and, and the majority of people, it's sleep and stress initially. Um, and, uh, and then making those changes that I'm asking very small, very measurable, and that they'll feel good that they've achieved it because then they're more likely to continue. Now, I'm lucky, I'm not quite sure, I get people with very complex medical problems and they feel right. very ill. And, um, and actually, I can ask quite a lot of them because they're mm. so desperate get better where it's a lot more difficult if say they feel fine and it's just a weight issue you know it's more difficult to kind of tap into yeah um, you know those motivators where where if you feel you know crap and you you know and you've got pain you know it's, you can ask quite a lot of people initially to in terms of making changes and then they get hooked to feeling great don't we all yeah like, yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah it um, is and then I do use health coaches. You know, here's me saying this, quite frankly, I see my lovely patients. I write a plan and go under the bonnet and work out what's going on. And then I, I, I work through health coaches who right. will then take my plan and will run with people using that method. But, you know, the accountability and the support, looking mm. at the whole family and um, to help people make changes. And I think that's the future of the health service. Like we need a coaching service. You know? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I definitely, definitely agree because it's, it's, it's that accountability. It's having somebody to lean on when yeah. the going gets tough. Cause like you say, you know, we're great with, you know, getting started. We're great yeah. with the motivation yeah. and then we have a bad day at work or the yeah. kids are kicking off. Yeah. Or yeah. something like that, you know, and then it all just kind of goes out the window. And that's when you kind of get this yo-yo effect. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's that habitual change that just changing that one thing. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I one of my guys this week, he, he fell off the he fell off of, of his of his plan. And he's like, right, I'm now going to do a water fast on Monday. I'm like, hang on a minute. <laughs> that's just not going to work. Let's just go back to changing one thing yeah. and then we'll just gradually yeah. compound it, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I think, um, it comes back to those mindsets, doesn't it, Darren, though, where um, it's, it, it, it's all or nothing. It's another yeah. mindset where I talk about direction, not perfection. You know, we go over direction, not perfection. And it's, it is all about shifting direction because when you look at longevity, so, you know, how long you live and how well you live, it's what we're doing over weeks and months and years, you know, and decades. And, yeah. and so it's, it's, it's seeing that, and you know it's seeing that it's those shifts of the general trend mm. and actually another you know phrase we have in our family and I've got three girls and I don't know about you as a parent just you know the sugar thing's always a massive battle yeah. and we do 80 20 you know 80 percent of the time we make good decisions 20 percent of the time we do what we want yeah. and so for us you know every Friday we bake you know we'll watch a movie together we'll have yeah. some snacks and and then for them as children, it's like, do you know, I can do that Monday to, you know, Friday, I can make good decisions because I know at the weekend, we're just going to have fun and really enjoy it. And, and yeah. so I think, again, it's some of those mindsets that we need to overcome that it's not about, it's not about this perfect plan that we stick to. It's no. about that constant shifting. And then we stretch and grow, don't we? We mm. stretch into the new habit and we, we grow into it. Um, and, and then that feels like the norm. And then we stretch a bit more and we grow. Yeah. And, and that's what it's all about, those small changes. Yeah, definitely. And I, it's, it's funny. We, I do the same with my kids on a Friday night. We have a movie night. So we, we'll get a takeaway, you know, and, and we'll just, yeah, overindulge. But the rest of the week, we're fine. And I think... Mm. Yeah, it's that, you know, we are not, like you said 
earlier, we're not wired to have this real restrictive kind of way of living. It's not, you need to have fun. You need to have the fix that you get from the sugar and all that kind of stuff, but you just don't need it every single day, you know? So yeah, no, I think, I think, yeah, the mindset side of it is, is so, so important. Yeah. But um, you so you're you've got a real food campaign and you're advocate of slow food. So which I think is fantastic, by the way, because I think this whole fast food area and I could get on my soapbox here, but I'm not going <laughs> to um, around the lockdown, and everything else. Um, yeah. So so what do you class as real slow food? Yeah. So I think um I think, first of all, just, you know, 60% of our calories at the moment as a nation come from highly processed food. Um, And, you know, here we are pointing the finger at meat and dairy, where actually what is killing us is our processed food. And and if we were literally just to switch to a whole food diet, it would Mm -hmm. have the most profound impact on our health as a nation and make us feel amazing and what I mean by whole food I mean there's different oh my goodness my cat's just come (laughs) (laughs) Uh, what I mean by um whole food is I mean there's a few ways and a few different definitions but you know I always think if I showed this to my great-grandmother would they recognize it like Mm. you know and it's and it really is does this look like the, the, what it looked like in the field as it was grown or the grain or you know, yeah. the, you know in a, or the animal or the dairy product I think that's that's what we're talking about you know when we're talking about whole food um, and 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 some people would use a definition of looking at the label and if there's more than five ingredients but often it's more do you recognize the ingredients yeah you know, are they names of things or are there a lot of chemicals a lot of additives um, you know high, partially hydrogenated fats and all sorts that um you know that that really has you know it's taken what's natural and it's being processed in a way um that's making it highly palatable for us highly addictive Mm. um and keeps us buying it and 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 actually you know the biggest thing we can do regardless of whether you choose to be vegan paleo wherever you want to stick yourself is to eat real food Mm. um and uh, so, yes. And, and the problem with highly processed food is it's full of very, very inflammatory vegetable oils, which, again, we've been sold to as being healthy. So, you know, industrialized seed oils like your sunflower and your safflower and um, mm. your cotton oil. Often it's just vegetable oil in the in the product. They're very, very inflammatory. Yeah. And this process of inflammation is, again, just an underlying mechanism under the engine of our bodies um, that when it's out of whack, just, you know, continues to perpetuate and drive disease. And then the sugar thing, you know, again, just a massive amount of sugar and of artificial sweeteners that are, again, causing an issue with our sugar hormones called insulin, you know, insulin resistance. Um, And that is another mechanism when you look under the hood of disease is driving our cancers and, you know, our heart disease. And and so this is why it's a problem. And then the other thing is, is that a lot of processed food is just devoid of nutrition, those essential proteins and vitamins and minerals and they're all the magic of the plant chemicals that interact with our genes and turn on our detoxification and tell our body to get rid of cancer cells and just totally you know amazing things that you find in natural food that you just don't find uh, in in highly processed food um, yeah yeah i agree and i think the other thing as well is that sometimes people will assume that actually cooking from raw ingredients is difficult. It's hard. It's time consuming, yeah. and it's not, 
You know, I don't believe it is. I, I cook from raw ingredients every single night. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can get fit, fit in within 15 to 20 minutes, you can get a really nutritionally dense meal. And also when you're cooking from real ingredients, you have leftovers and yeah. therefore you can freeze it and your food bill goes down. And so there's a whole other host of, you know, economic benefits that we can get you know, around cooking directly from, from real food. And, but I like the idea of the real slow food because it just emphasizes the fact that we have become accustomed to, you know, we think we're busy, but if we really stopped and analyze it, we're not really that busy. Right. And we could actually take a step back and just do think, you know, go back to basic, go, like you say, go back to when it was our parents and our grandparents and things like that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And it's interesting about the cooking one, like, you know, um, it is a challenge. We have whole generations now, you know, I worked and lived in the inner city for a few years, um, you know, on one of our housing estates here in Nottingham, and you've got whole generations that have never cooked you know I would go into a home and they wouldn't have a knife to chop or a chopping board or you know wouldn't know how to chop an onion and and so there's there is in terms of the societal response to our health crisis Mm. um you know there is an element of of actually equipping our kids at school about food about how to cook you know how to do the basics and the courage and bravery to do it um because uh, I think sometimes when we cook because I'm the same I'd cook every day and um, and my kids cook with me and they will have grown up in the kitchen and um, so but I think if you've not done that it's quite it's it's quite a big thing it feels quite yeah. scary um, and that's another thing where it's difficult to attribute blame because it's like gosh where does that come from you know we've cult- yeah. we've we have created a culture that is dependent on on, on processed pre-prepared food um so but there's some lovely you know i think the doctor's kitchen is a guy um dr yep. rupee he has yep. a how to learning how to cook and you can do it online and there's loads of stuff online now isn't yeah. there where we can yeah do those basic things um, absolutely and i and yeah. i think that's the other thing we are in a time we are in a very fortunate time where the information is there if you go and find it yeah. You know, if you don't if you genuinely don't know how to cook there's so many youtube videos that you could find to teach you how to cook yeah. um and i i agree i think i think the other thing is is it's when you cook from raw ingredients you then have that connection as to where the foods come from how it's got to your plate and yeah. i think that's so important i had this really kind of disturbing and quite hilarious situation a few weeks ago where we were, we were doing a dinner party, right? Because we're in lockdown. We can't go out. So we decided we're going to do a dinner party. And the rules were you have to come dressed to impress and then you have to cook your own food, a, a starter and a main course. Anyway, my eldest son, Callum, he wanted crispy duck. Really not my choice. But anyway, I thought, let, let him go with it. But the, the alarming thing was is that he had to cook it. He's 13 and he got it out the packet and it's obviously half a duck, right? And he was absolutely horrified that it was, he was like, this is not how it normally comes. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, it's normally got the sauce on. And I said, so you're expecting a shredded duck to come out of the packet with the sauce already on it. And I thought, wow, that's just like really scary to think that they have no connection. And I think that, you know, coming back to the school thing that I believe that we have as as important as maths 
nutrition should be up there. You know, cooking and nutrition needs to go back into schools. And I don't know how we're going to do that, but I generally think that we need to, that needs to be a real part of it. Uh, and I mean, the shocking thing is doctors don't get any nutritional training. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. Is that- scary. Um, so yeah and I think the other thing like food is so much more you know than calories and yeah. it is it gathers people it helps yes. us celebrate and actually digestion starts before we eat and and you know digestion is an anticipation thing we anticipate food by smell by touch and all our juices you know our enzymes yeah. are all getting ready for digestion and you know we have a massive problem with digestive issues and the, the number of times all I've done is got people to sit down stick it on a plate you know be part of the preparation process and and just in the act of that mm. how much uh, pain and indigestion issues and bloating and gut issues are resolved because they've tapped into the way their bo- the way their body is wired yeah. and and so we are to be connected to our food and i'm really passionate about the table you know we've lost the art of sitting at the table you know yeah. food is, again is more than what we're eating it's community it's connection it's asking my kids how their day was yeah. it's you know it's just being present and tasting it enjoying it and loving it and and we do have this thing where we eat and we don't even taste it we don't even no. realize what we've eaten um you know for me the whole drive through mcdonald's thing is just the definition of hell like it just like it's yeah so i know it's just to yeah. the millennia that we have evolved over um yeah. and and so it is it's it's tapping into the wonder of what food can do beyond uh you know nourishing our bodies it nourishes our families our connections our yeah. communities and we need to reclaim it and reclaim the table um and and learn to connect through it again and and it's yeah. a wonderful sacred kind of ritual that we do three times a day yeah. um, that we can you know start to engage with um yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I, no, I t- completely agree. And, you know, having that conversation at the table, removing any kind of electronic devices and, and just, you know, appreciating the food that you're eating, taking time to chew it and yeah. then you get satiated and all the rest of it. Yeah, I, I, can, I couldn't agree more. I think it's very, very important. And like you say, again, it's basic yeah. stuff, right? But we kind of have lost that. So, Obviously, one of your foundations is is movement, and one of my principles is movement, and mm-hmm. and I I love that because I think it is so much more than just fitness and exercise. Yes. So, can you talk a, a little bit about what your thoughts are around movement and how yes. you see it helping us? Yeah, so I always try to talk about embedding exercise into movement, and right. and actually, you know sitting is the new smoking isn't it in terms of risk to our life risk to health to early death that it's that sedentary you know sitting at sitting all the time that's doing the damage and and actually there's some really big studies one in Canada one in America um, where they've shown that even if you do your hour at the gym you know work out hard if you sit for the rest of the day it really makes not a significant amount of difference on how long you live and the kind of diseases you get, which is shocking. Mm. And because how many of us just think, well, I've done my run. So now yeah. I can feel about it. And so it's really important that, you know, I help people understand that it's just the pottering around and yeah. 
you know, being more active through the day. And so I will do things like say, right, we just need some rules. You're only going to use the upstairs toilet. Um, you're going to park away from the supermarket uh, yeah. door so that you have to walk. Um, you know, you're going to not buy milk for the week so that you could have to walk up to the shop a couple of times a week. And so yeah. just things like that or sit on a Swiss ball when you're at your desk or get a standing desk. Yeah. Um, and and uh, because life is so, so convenient, you know, we don't even mm. get up to turn the television over anymore. Do we? Do you remember those days? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I, that's why I talk about movement, um, because we could be falsely reassured by exercise. Now, without a doubt, you know, movement on its own, great. Um, but, you know, uh, exercise touches, again, so many aspects of our body, yeah. you know, turning on our genetics to help our body heal, you know, our DNA heal, you know, improving insulin resistance, improving, you know, muscle strength, including improving our energy production. I mean, it just goes on and on, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. I think I said earlier, like, you know, if you look at cancer, um, you know, if you exercise for 30 minutes a day within the context of being active and, and moving is you can re you can reduce your risk by up to 40%. Yeah. Um, there isn't a drug in the world that does no. that. Um, no. And and often we stick our, you know, many of our prostate cancer on a drug for life. and We don't even talk to them. that Actually, you can reduce your risk just by moving 30 yeah. minutes a day. And that can be walking and just getting slightly out of breath. It's not necessary. Yeah going to the gym like um yeah and this is the bit that i love and that is it is very simple you don't need to do a high intensity interval workout right yeah. walking i've found the love for walking over the last couple of years where i would prefer to just go and smash a run out or go on the bike or go for a swim now i just love going out and doing at least 10 to fifteen thousand steps a day mm -hmm. and it's just going out there and it and you know coming back to your your um thing about connection as well mm -hmm you can connect with nature and, and particularly for men that's like, Oh, it's all a bit woo. -woo. It's not, it's being appreciative of your environment of where you're at, particularly today, the sun shines out, you know, and all that kind of thing. And then the other thing as well, movement is going to the park with the kids and running around with the kids, you know, that's connection, playfulness, which adults have lost the ability to play. Right. I think that's the key thing. Yeah. I, 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 I need to learn to play. I'm way too intense. It's <laughs> <laughs> working hard and trying to help other people. Yeah. So, and, um, but yes, totally. Like play is a wonderful thing. Beautiful stress reliever as is laughter and hugging and touching and, 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 you know, for the, for the, you know, the, the dads that might be doubtful, like there's really good science, you know, mm. that if we're disconnected from self, if we're socially isolated, disconnecting from our sense of purpose, like it drives disease. Mm. Um, so, um, so yes, totally. And I, and I fell in love with running two years ago. I had hated running all of my life. Right. And I've always fairly liked being fit and done various things. Um, and then one day, um, one of my friends said, oh, Sally, you just run too fast. You do everything too fast. And I went, oh. <laughs> and so I started to run really slowly and totally fell in love with it. Like right. I realized I was just, you know, I was trying to be the best mom and I was trying yeah. to do the best race <laughs> or the best workout and, and yeah. you're just driving, driving yourself instead of just 
you know, slowing down and connecting. And, and now I run most days. I'm right. very, very slow. I have old people overtaking me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm connecting with myself. I'm connecting with nature. You know, all that wonderful thing that the exercise is doing to my body too. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, and, and I think I enjoy it. And so for me, that sets you up for life. If you enjoy yeah. it, you can do it, aren't you? There's, um, yeah, and that's another important point. But again, the basic point is like, how many people go to the gym and I hate it? And I'm, I'm like, don't go. There's so many things that you can do. You don't need equipment. You don't need a gym membership. You can do anything outside, inside, but just moving, you know, doing things. And, and recently over the last 18 months, I've started to get into to functional movement and being able to move in certain ways and I do like a bit of a stretch session every morning and that's revolutionary you know it's like we we end up in such ways where we just move in certain patterns and then to be able to come away from that and move in different ways you just realize you know how much mobility that you've lost and particularly as you age are so key yeah no totally and 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 muscle and mobility is just so important as we age you know as you probably know like after the age of 30 we lose one percent of our muscle mass and you know i work a lot with the elderly and and um in my acute care job and some of the reasons that people end up in care homes is they simply don't have the butt strength to get out the chair anymore that's it like you know they're cognitively fine they can self-care but they just haven't tended to that need for muscle Um, as well as, you know, it's for men, you know, more muscle strength, better to testosterone, better libido, like, you know, there's, there's a win-win yeah. there as well. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so, so I, so I focused far more on, so my run is about mental health and then just trying to do a lot slower, a lot more mindful um, strength work to kind of, and mobility yeah. work. So I found that in yoga really, because um, I love the kind of breathe, breath work and, mm um and and it's helped me because again i did this thing where after i had my babies i went to this great gym it was so much fun and they did all these crazy hits and yeah and actually it really worked for me in that season of my life and different things work at different times don't they, they? Do, you yeah. get bored of it, find something else and and for me it was a great season um but i just constantly hurt myself because i was always trying to run or do something <laughs> as quick as the next person and and actually for me it was through doing calisthenics um where yeah. i really really slowed down and learned what my body could do what the capacity of my body was mm. you know what my strength was and it was fun because you learn how to do handstands and the pole and yeah. you know on the rings and and so again like it was just another season where you know that was fun and that helped me learn about my body and helped me respect it and mm. operate according to you know its own ability um and then now at the moment my season is the running and just i just use you know an app for my yoga where i'll just yeah. do 15 yeah. minutes yeah yeah and I, I like the analogy you use there about seasons that's really key actually to get to understand that you do go through seasons you know and for me i thought triathlon and ironman was going to be that was it i have actually realized over the last year that's that i'm will stop doing that in the next year once i've get to where i want to get to and then I'm going to go on to do something else. So I think, yeah, looking at it like seasons is really, really um, interesting. Yeah. 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 And it's looking into your routine as well. So I find it so hard with the kids out of school because mm. I would always drop off my daughter and I'd run. Yeah. And I found it so hard. It's like, it's so ingrained to yeah. actually create a new routine. And um, so, it, so you do have to constantly be creative and, um, and explore 
you know, ways yeah. that fit with your current um, routine. I know your podcast listeners can't see this, but my cat is driving me mad. <laughs> you Those look like something from James Bond when you're striking the cat. It <laughs> <laughs> keeps popping up. She's very persistent. That was absolutely fine. So obviously sleep. I want to talk to you about yeah. sleep. You know, it's something which has grown hugely in popularity, which sounds completely mad talking about it yeah. like that because we've yeah. always slept. But just how important it is around sleep and you get a lot of these young entrepreneurs and just the entrepreneur community in general about how they grind in and how they're you know doing their 18 hour days and actually and actually it's complete nonsense because unless you have decent sleep you're not going to perform no totally so again when i trained in the 90s like we didn't really understand much about sleep we knew there's a really rare disease where people lose the ability to sleep it's very very rare um, mm. and they die within months and so we right. always knew if you didn't get enough sleep um you know that you would die and then over the last sort of 20 well 15 years it's exploded onto the mm. scene the science and now we understand that actually science touch and um, sleep touches every single aspect of our body it's a very very active thing um, and it's repairing it's getting rid of those cancer cells it's repairing structurally your body it's washing your brain and, and putting your memories into your long-term memory it's emotionally resetting you so that you have emotional resilience for the next day it's part of uh uh, your creativity um, I mean it's just you know it, it helps with blood pressure and sugar control and inflammation and just e everywhere there is nothing like it and the problem is is that we're sleeping 25% less than we were um, you know compared to our grandparents so we've you know we we are I think it was saying 89% of our 20 year olds aren't getting enough sleep which is oh, really? just catastrophic on our yeah. health um and 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 so yes like sleep is just so essential essential for weight loss like yeah. um we talk through all the hormonal things that are going on that set you up not to lose weight and i remember having a man in his 50s coming to me who was very overweight and i spent two months working on his sleep before we talked about food and he kept saying when are we going to change my diet and he was like no i wanted to sleep um and and in that time he lost about 10 pounds which was a good start he basically slept mm. it off so, <laughs> so really is foundational for all aspects of health and yes for your young entrepreneur you are shooting yourself in the foot if you want to mm. be on it if you want to be creative if you want to be coming up with great ideas if you want to be problem solving which we do in our sleep um you need to be sleeping it's the best thing that you can do to uh to improve that whole aspect of of performance um, so yes, and, and really in terms of how much is enough, it's anything between seven and a half and nine hours asleep, like, um, not in bed. Yeah. Um, and then, and then for those that just, you know, for some people they just need to switch off Netflix and get to bed. Like yeah. for a lot of people and I'd be one of them, you know, sleep can be really elusive and then you get stressed because you can't sleep. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> and, and like uh, you say, you know, it, it has that snowball effect in so much yeah. as, if you're sleep deprived, your cognitive ability is reduced, you know, yeah. you then unconsciously are craving sugary and caffeinated type drinks to get that stimulus because you're tired. And yeah, and it's just, uh, it's so profound. And I yeah. think you, you touched on a really good point there about, you know, people say, well, I, I mean, I, got, I have nine hours sleep a night. You don't. If you, unless you're tracking your sleep, there's no way if you're in bed for nine hours, you have nine hours of sleep. Yeah. I mean, I track my sleep with two different devices 
So I've got an aura ring and then I've got a sleep cycle app as well. Yeah. And, you know, I'm in bed for seven and a half to eight hours, but I'll get six and a half hours of sleep. You yeah, know? So, yeah, it's called sleep efficiency. So it's people who are very, very, very good at sleeping might get 90% of their time in bed asleep. And that's if mm. they're fantastic. The majority of us, it's like 60, 70%. Yeah. Like, and, and it's quite a shock, you know, it mm. really is. Um, and, and really, once you get down to that six, six and a half hours, you are really setting yourself up for future issues. Um, and, and so it is so powerful. It's one of the best things that you can do is actually prioritize your sleep. Um, yeah. And I, I, I do a lot of teaching on sleep hygiene. So there's loads right. of things that we can do to yeah. help improve our sleep. Um, and also sleeping tablets, they don't give you healing, the, the stuff that you get prescribed, they don't give you healing sleep. I never use them. I never prescribe them. No. Um, and uh, because they make you unconscious to the world, but all that wonderful healing doesn't go on. Yeah. Um, and therefore you can accumulate, you know, days and days and days of, of, of you know, all of the stuff that hasn't healed. And because mm. um, you can't catch up with sleep. You can't burn the candle Monday to Friday and then sleep in at the weekend. No. You can't undo that damage. No. Um, which again is, you know, a shocking thing. Um, so, yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, I mean, I, I talk to a lot of my guys about sleep hygiene. And for me, my, the mm. preparation of my night's sleep starts at, well, in five minutes at 2 p.m. Like, I won't have mm. caffeine after 2 p.m. And then, yeah. you know, I won't eat three hours before I go to bed. You know, yeah. this doesn't work all of the time, by the way. I'm not perfect. Yeah. But, you know, an hour before I go to bed, I no no screens. Um, yeah. Me and the kids have got these blue light blocking glasses, so we'll wear yeah. them when we've, uh, you know, yeah, perfect. When we're when we're you know watching TV and all the rest of it, and yeah, um, yeah I mean, there's so many different things. You know, temperature, isn't there? Temperature of the room, making sure that it's not too hot, it's completely yeah. blacked out. You know, there is so many little things that we can do in order to get a good night's sleep. So. Yeah. 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 And then if you are one of those people that have never slept for years and years and years and maybe have some real issues, the, the thing you can get on the NHS now is cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. And that's the okay. research for that is phenomenal. Right. Um, and so I think when sleep hygiene doesn't work, um, and I'm the same with you, sometimes I have to do all the things and sometimes I just stick to two or three things yeah. that keep me, you know, it keeps me sleeping well. But for those that do that and they struggle, then um, you know, looking for a referral for cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia um, is really helpful training tool. And then for those men who are very overweight, well, women as well, and, and snore heavily and, you know, wake up exhausted and fall asleep, you know, in the afternoon, they may have something called sleep apnea, which mm -hmm. is where they, they're never getting into deep sleep because they're airways. And their, their wife will often say things like, oh, it sounds like it's a train. And then he kind of builds up and then he stops breathing. <laughs> Like for 40 seconds and then he takes a huge breath and he starts yeah. again and that's the classic story and that's really important that you go and see your gp um mm. and, and describe what's going on because that's treatable um and it's not something to be missed you know and you can do all the sleep hygiene you like if that's an issue um mm. you're not going to help yourself there yeah and that and that just kind of reminds me and brings me on to another topic which is a big area that i've looked at and that's breath work you know, oh, that can really, really help. And I do a lot of breath work in the morning, like box breathing and things like that to kind of, because we end up, end up becoming mouth breathers and stuff that I've learned about. If you're mouth breathing, not breathing efficiently and all the rest of it. So that's a whole other podcast that we could probably talk about, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's super, super fascinating. So 
before we wrap it up then um can you give me five things that um guys that are listening or even mums that are listening today that could take away to kind of improve their health and well-being from your five foundations yeah i think uh, for them to believe that they can have agency over their health like right. it's it not out of reach um, I think, you know, that principle around direction, not perfection, it's just starting grappling with a few things. Um, I would, you know, prioritize sleep and I would I would um, also prioritize aggressively eliminating stress. And then yeah. the big thing about food is just a whole food diet, just make switches yeah. where you can to real food. Um, and I think that would just set you on that path towards recovering health and, and longevity and avoiding all those diseases that are crippling us as a nation at the moment. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time today. I really, really appreciate you coming on to the podcast. Uh, it's fascinating to talk to you. I love the work that you're doing. Um, like I said, I wish I could go back 20 years and start training to be to do what you're doing. But uh, it's awesome. If people want to connect with me, Darren, I'm, I, my main social media platform that I talk to people on is Instagram, Dr. Okay. Sally Bell. So they can just DM me if they want more information. I run okay. some lovely online courses. I think awesome. I've given your, your listeners a code for um, getting yep. 20% off my courses. And Perfect. so just get them to drop me a line and, uh, and connect with me there. And I can always send information if they want. Yeah, awesome. So your website is drsallybell.com? Yeah, that's right. And yeah, then I'm perfect. Dr. Sally Bell on most platforms, social yeah. media ones. Yeah. Yeah, lovely. I uh, know I don't encourage guys to check out your uh, Instagram. Yeah, you put some great stuff out. So thank you very much for coming on this podcast today, and I'll speak to you soon. Yeah, great. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Fitter Healthier Dad podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit subscribe, and I would really appreciate if you could leave a review on iTunes. All the links mentioned in the episode will be in the show notes and a full transcription is over at fitterhealthierdad.com.